going on party people we're back on the air strange days live yeah waiting for you guys to call so we can get this thing on the road hope you guys are doing well We are live from California. It's 10 till 7. We're starting a little bit early to make sure everybody, you know, has their nice, finishes their nice dinners and has time to come in to the strange days. If you guys want to call me, um... And the numbers on the screen so that way we can start talking about the weird paranormal abnormal okay How's everybody doing tonight? <clears throat> Got the viewers on hold. Just making sure everybody's getting settled in nicely. Do you guys, any, any particular topics you guys want to talk about tonight? Huh? Make some recommendations under our... Um... Hey, Stony Stone. Black Vault Muse. I like that name, Stony Stone. And Sweetie Pie, never listened before. Time travel sounds interesting from Michigan. Sweetie Pie, how are you? Stony Stone, how are you guys? New listeners, I don't recognize the name. Um, Black Vault News, at, in, as in, so do I have a celebrity here? Awesome. Guys, this is basically a, a spin-off, low-budget spin-off, uh, for the meantime, of, of what Art did. I love Art Bell. I've been a fan for many years and i said you know what there's not really any cool shows out there that emulate uh the flavor of the art bell show <clears throat> i know that coast to coast am still transmits but um i don't know man i, I just see uh, there's something about art bell that i like it's more of a could it be the generic um am vibe the sounds could have been the times that he transmitted but um i miss the guy and um and yeah 951 area code yep i am in the riverside area you are in moval very familiar with moreno valley i am uh, broadcasting uh from an undisclosed location in the inland empire but yeah moreno valley very familiar good to have you johnny mojave uh yep i love our bell we all love our bell that's the reason we're all here uh because we love them he was an amazing guy, uh, you know, amazing shows, amazing guests. And so I kind of want to emulate that, you know. There's a lot of stories that are still untold. And uh, I kind of want to continue that. I've been doing this for almost two weeks, I believe. And I've had really, really good uh, feedback. I've had really good calls. I've made good friends. And I want this thing to expand. So give me a call. The number is 951 951- 
977-1159. Give me a call and we'll talk about uh, anything unusual. Don't be shy. I'm a very relaxed guy. Um, so we'll talk about things that have happened to you that's considered paranormal, weird, maybe a weird dream you had, maybe a, a glitch in the matrix type of experience you've had. Uh, the only thing I ask, uh, no profanity and turn the volume uh, down. Turn the volume of your radio, of your of your YouTube down so that way we don't get the, the crazy feedback, okay? Those are the only things I ask my listeners. Otherwise, I'm really happy to see you guys. I've had, a, uh, there's a lot of new listeners, new names. Hey, John, good to see you, buddy. John's a regular listener. I've seen him here for a bunch of time. You want to talk about Skinwalker Ranch? Or, yeah, you know, uh, I have an affinity. My, um, I love, uh, I love time travel. It's been, it's probably my favorite subject. Hence the name of the of the channel, right? The Time Travel Show. Um, yeah, call me. Drop if you guys are shy. Drop in some comments in the chat below, and and we'll talk. <clears throat> The number is 951-977-1159. It's wide awake and waiting for callers. So let's see here. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch. John likes that. I think, John, you've mentioned that a few times before about Skinwalker Ranch. Um, let me just give me a few minutes. I'm gonna go on Reddit. Um, so if you guys can help me, I'm gonna go on, uh, on Facebook and, and uh, promote the show to a couple of groups, and we'll get started. Okay. We'll get started as soon as we get. Uh, some people active and if you guys want to promote it within your friends as well that would be lovely and I would thank you guys for that one second here I hope everybody had a, a good day today it's tomorrow's Friday, so let's celebrate. And then the next week, we're going to have quite a lot of... Uh, well, I'm going to have three days off, which is cool. Get to relax. Sorry, guys. I'm typing this away. That's why I kind of come in a little bit before 7, so I can promote the show on some, um, on some Facebook communities that way we can get more listeners and then we'll go back to the topic Johnny Mojave give me a call brother there's some why don't you share share with us uh, about uh, Stardust Ranch I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that maybe you can uh, give us a couple of minutes of your time and um, yeah and talk about it And Skinwalker Ranch is quite the place. Uh, I've, you know, I've been familiar with that with that uh, portion of land for 
for a long time and there's some some very unique and crazy things that happened to occur in that part of the country everywhere from shapeshifters to native american um, apparitions Okay, so I'm just kind of posing on <clears throat> submitted. Okay, posting in a few places here, and then we'll get going on our show. Perfect, guys. Got a couple of poke. I gotta wait for the admins to be kind enough to approve it. And <clears throat> all right, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, Okay, well, thank you, Johnny Mojave. I'm, I'm, do your thing, man. You gotta, you gotta do your thing. I'm gonna just kind of do a, a brief introduction into what Skinwalker Ranch, um, you know, what Skinwalker Ranch is all about. Just like a brief introduction of it. So basically, uh, this is, um, this is an area um, located in the northeastern Utah, uh, the portion of Utah. Uh, it's, uh, it's called the. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's called the Uten Basin. It's a Uten Basin region in the northeastern Utah in the United States. Um, the official name is Sherman Ranch. Okay. And it's gotten the name of Skinwalker Ranch due to the many apparitions and uh, weird things that have happened on that ranch. So uh, th this ranch pretty much gained notoriety uh, due to the paranormal activities and all these weird unexplained phenomena that I've been uh, taking place in it. So it's, it's, got the, it's gathered the attention of the, like the UFO enthusiasts, uh, paranormal investigators, and conspiracy theorists as well. Um, so th this has led to numerous you know, documentaries, books, television series, uh, podcasts, and, um, and what have you. Uh, some of the things that have happened, uh, for example, some of the paranormal phenomena that have occurred uh, and Skinwalker Ranch, uh, you know, we've had uh, sightings of UFOs have been reported there, strange lights, and also mysterious creatures. Uh, some of the most notable uh, involve encounters with creatures that are often referred to as a skinwalker or a shapeshifter uh, in Native American folklore. These are uh, entities that are able to basically dawn on the appearance of, uh, of animals or people, okay? Uh, there's also been reports of cattle mutilations in that area as well. Um, ranch owners uh, that live around the property, they've reported that they've actually found cattle with uh, precise surgical incisions to them, uh, with organs removed, uh, and, and without any signs of any blood or any predators. So, 
think about a cattle that just went a surge a perfect surgery by someone uh, you know, found in the middle of the desert in Utah. Uh, and in regards to like unexplained lights and objects, they say that witnesses have reported seeing strange lights uh, and objects uh, above the sky of the ranch, including, you know, flying saucers, uh, orbs, and all kinds of mysterious, uh, mysterious um, aerial phenomena. So... Um, for those of us joining the show, this is a, a, a show that tends to emulate a little bit of Art Bell. Uh, he's uh, the, the gentleman that I've, I have a, have a channel on YouTube and I post a lot of Art Bell's old uh, shows. And so a couple of weeks ago I decided, uh, why don't I do a call-in show? Uh, I, have a, I have over 3,000 subscribers and I said, let's do a live call-in show for those of us that enjoy art. And, um, you know, that we have a, a, an ability to kind of uh, recreate that. So I go ahead and put a number there that you guys can call and people can call with their weird stories. And what I do afterwards, I just I post all the shows on the channel to both gather new listeners and, and start gathering traction. Um, other things that have been uh, now going back to the Skinwalker Ranch. There's, all, there's also been some animals uh, anomalies so reports coming from that area have included bizarre animal behavior including large aggressive wolves that seem impervious to gunfire and other strange creatures let's go here to the phone lines to accept press one to send a voicemail strange days live who am i speaking with uh this is dan hey dan how are you Good. How are you, you doing? I called you a few days ago. Yeah, you seem familiar. You're calling from Texas? No, upstate New York. Oh, okay, right on, man. How are you? Good. I'm the one that has the music YouTube channel. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking about I, I didn't play my uh, I didn't play my intro music today, and I was gonna actually uh, play one of your songs. Oh, that's cool. I just posted a new one um, yesterday morning. Okay. Uh, it's called I Was Leaving You. I saw that you, uh, so, I, I like that. You have, you, have, you have a mysterious cover for that, right? Like the, the the image you use for the song, it's like a black and white image? Yeah, I changed it up because it was kind of kind of dark, I thought. Oh, I, li I enjoyed so it. I oh, did you like that one? It was with uh, Joan Crawford. Yeah, it caught, it caught my eye what? because I'm a huge film noir I love film noir, so I like all the black and white detective stuff, so it caught my attention. Yeah, well, I did a, a, another cool one, you know, with the old Frankenstein movies. Okay, cool, man. I um, I put it on, on the one, the video, it's uh, called What You Do Is What You Are. Okay, I think I, I recall that. And it, yeah, and I did two versions, one without the video, but the one with the video with the Frankenstein that's in there, that's a pretty cool video. Nice. But I rechanged that song, the one I just did this morning. I thought it was maybe kind of dark. Some people might not like it. So I changed it and I put uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, I see and that. And the mother hen. I see and that. the mother hen. <laughs> I see that. that was a <laughs> Make cool... it a little, little more funnier. Yeah, no, I but like that, man. I... Wait, hold on. Yeah, give me I, a... I enjoy doing that, that me... kind of stuff. So. Give, give me a second here, Dan. Give me a second, buddy. Okay. Give yeah. Me, give me a second. 
We'll give our listeners a little taste of dance music. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. This is Daniel Green. He's one of our avid listeners, and this is a little song called I Was Leaving You. Yeah, it's based on a true story, too. <laughs> so check him out. Well, thanks for putting that up on there. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. But, uh, the reason I called was, uh, you know that Linda Moulton Howell show? Yeah, the Linda, yes, exactly, yes. Yeah, now she had, uh, a couple days ago, she had a guest on that was a tractor-trailer driver. Okay. And uh, he was tractor-trailer driving in Michigan. And I had heard the story once before, I'd forgot about it. And uh, supposedly he was driving his tractor-trailer, I think it was at nighttime, and he came across one of those, like, wolf wolf creatures, they call them dogmen or whatever they are. Dogmen, exactly. What, this was, this, was this in Arizona? Uh, this was in Michigan. Okay, go go on. And what happened? And and supposedly, because she interviewed the guy, so she was talking with him, the guy told the story. So if you want to go back and check it out, it was pretty interesting. But he said that uh, he noticed, uh, like, that dog man creature yeah. come right up. He, he said this thing was so tall, you know, standing up. Right. That it was, it was you know how uh, tall tractor trailers are where the windows are? Yes. But his head was right at the window as he was driving. That's and, crazy. And stuff. the thing was trying to, was trying to get in his door. Wow. And was scratching on there. And he he said he didn't know what to do. He, you know, he, he kind of froze and freaked out. But he happened to have a pistol and he ended up shooting shooting it. Are you serious? And what? And, uh, so he opened this guy. So let me get the story. This guy was driving his truck. It's late at night. You see this huge creature running right beside you, probably 10 feet tall, scratching at this door, and this guy pulls down the window and sh- shot at it? Yeah, his window was actually rolled down, I think, a little bit. Okay. And the creature was trying to get his hand in there, and uh, he had a pistol, and just out of reaction, he shot it, and he, he seen it fly off of there and like roll off into the weeds right and so supposedly he he went down the road you know and shot and he waited a few minutes and then he turned around and to see if he could see the the creature and, and around where he figured he shot him there was a jeep there oh there was with a-, a with a with a guy and a girl and he went there out i think and like talked to them and you know was wondering what was going on and he left but uh, supposedly, he got uh, visitors that were like people that were like in suits after that. And they, they claimed, you know, that they knew that they shot that, he shot that dogman creature. Wow. And it, was, and it was supposedly, I mean, it's a really good story if you want to go back and hear it. I'm just trying to remember everything he said. No, you're doing a great but, job. Uh, I will, I will definitely uh, listen to it. So what what did uh, what did he emphasize as far as like when he when he approached the couple had the couple seen anything? No, they, they hadn't, and he just thought it was strange that their jeep was there, and uh, he he just went out to make sure that they were okay and everything, and that they couldn't see the creature. So, and then maybe he was wondering if um, if I remember right. He thought maybe they had knew about the creature had something to do with it, but I think it was a few days after that 
Okay. He had got a visit. He was at a truck stop or something, and a couple guys in suits came to him and uh, took him in a room, and they were talking to him, asking about if him shooting a creature. Wow. And uh, they said something about, like, that was a government thing or, or something, and you weren't, shouldn't have did that. Well, and uh, they, yeah, they had took his gun. <laughs> Listen, man, if there's anything, uh, that's crazy. If there's a wolf or something chasing me, it's once, you know, I'm sure that wolf didn't want to do anything uh, positive to the driver. Um, no, I, I would, no. Uh, I would do the same thing, to be honest with you. I would, I, if I had a gun, I would shoot it, you know? Yeah, well, well, the reason I called about that story, I normally wouldn't even have called and said about it, but the weird thing was a few weeks before I listened to that show sometime, it's called What Lurks Beneath. Okay. I think. And uh, that's a pretty good show. And uh, usually he just tells stories. Right. But he actually had a guy on a couple of weeks ago where he actually did an interview with him. But usually he just tells, like, scary stories or whatever. Yeah. And this guy was from Pennsylvania. And uh, he lived in Pennsylvania somewhere where there was, like, a like an old uh, steel mill. Sure. That, that wasn't working anymore. And he said when he... When he was a teenager, he had like three or four friends with him. They used to go around there and play and go and go into this building. They were in this building one night and uh, they saw they have there was like wild dogs that would be around there and stuff. And uh, they were up in this building. I think it was like three or four story building. They were up on the top watching and they seen like three or four dogs run around and then went up like this hill. And they hit, they heard him barking. The dogs were barking. Right. And then, then supposedly, he started hearing some of the dogs yelp, and some of the dogs were being thrown back over the hill, and they, they didn't know what was throwing them. And then, Vale, uh, put your door down. Away. And then they seen that same that guy was talking that same dog. Stood up, and they said it was about ten foot tall, and they were scared. And that creature had seen where they were, where they were, and went around the building and started going up the stairs. Oh my goodness! And they were all really scared. And then uh, a train went by because there was train tracks right by there. Right. And then it scared the creature off, and they and they were scared to leave. So, but that was an interesting story. So when I heard both of those stories, I go, well, maybe there's something to that. To having two, two people see basically the same kind of thing. No, definitely, there's something to it. Let me. I, I have. I have. A, uh, thank you for the call, by the way, man. I appreciate you calling. Yeah. Thank you. So I figured I'd just call it quick. I won't. I won't keep you. No, I but appreciate. You know, I used to drive. I used to drive a tractor trailer. Right. I think um, you remember that. I, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. And but I used to go to uh, Salinas, California. Right. And then go, then go to uh, to Springfield, Ohio, back and forth. So, well, good deal, uh, man. I just wanted to. I, I really appreciate you calling and being a faithful listener. And uh, like I said, I'm going to start using uh, your music. And um, thanks for the story, man. I, I have a story of my own. I'll, as soon as I'll take it offline. Um, but thank, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate you. Okay, Doc. Well, have a good night, and I hope you get some more callers in, bud. I will. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, bye-bye. So I had a, a, a similar story that I heard. I heard from the 
I used to go to, um, actually I heard from a guy who's a pastor, you know, this guy, um, very credible, he said that him and his wife were um, coming to California from Arizona. This happened probably in the, either the late 80s or the, the early 90s. He said that they were driving through Cal, uh, driving to California through some God knows what kind of highway, but it happened in Arizona, and they were um, they were in Indian territory. Uh, and all of a sudden, he says that um, there was a, a stretch of land in which they were by themselves driving down the street um, by the two way two lane highway uh, by themselves. When uh, out of his uh, the corner of his eye. He sees uh, something uh, running alongside his vehicle. Um, mind you, he was probably doing, you know, 50 to 60 miles per hour. So lo and behold, he uh, this thing is keeping up with him, um, and he's trying to pay attention in front of him. And all of a sudden, he just kind of he just twists his head, and he sees this creature. He said that it looked like a wolf with a human face on it. Um, and it really, really freaked him out, as would anyone. Um, his wife was also aware of this. That now this is before the advent of any cell phones or any, you know, handheld camera that were, you know, it was easy to, to get. So obviously there's no footage. There's just a story and the trust of the person. But um, yeah, lo and behold, they were doing about 50 miles an hour. They saw this thing. It was the shape of a wolf uh, with, a, with a very scary human head. Um, and he was just running right beside him, keeping it up. He was very, very afraid. And he started, he stepped on it. He said he just, you know, went up to 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. And this thing still kept up with the car, with the vehicle. It was right running right next door to his car. Excuse me, right next, uh, right next to his door of his car. Um, and he says that the, this animal, whatever it was, kept kept up with him for about three to four miles. Uh, and it was one of the scariest things that he's ever witnessed. Um, so, yeah, these there, there are definitely creatures out there that have um, sort of like this wolf appearance with uh, supernatural abilities, right, to be able to, to run 60 miles an hour. I think the fastest animal on land, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's a cheetah. And what is the, let me see here. I'm gonna see the cheetah top speed. And they can, the cheetah's top speed, um, 50 to 61, yeah. So 50 to 61 miles per hour, but uh, they can only keep up for 20 to 30 seconds, you know? Uh, there have been some cheetahs that are able to run about 70 miles per hour, but it's a sprint. So there's no way you can have any animal that's been documented to be able to run at an 80 mile per hour pace for two to three miles. And this this animal was chasing them before that. Who knows for how long? Let's say five miles. That's some incredible uh, agility and speed. So that kind of falls into the you know the whole topic of of. Um, skinwalker ranch so very crazy very crazy stuff let's see here we have a, a based karen high based karen thank you for joining us um it was youngstown ohio actually at the steel mill i don't know what that is i don't know what that is but um call us guys you're welcome to call us and I'm going to pin this Mets, uh, pin our number, and go ahead and give us a call. 
I'd like to uh, base Karen. Well, um, call me. I want to know what you're talking about, about Young Youngstown, Ohio. John Alvarado mentioned that um, Skywalker, Skinwalker Ranch has been described as paranormal Disneyland. Yep, exactly. That's what I heard too. So some of the other things that have been found at Skinwalker Ranch are um, poltergeist activity, reports of, you know, ghosts, unexplained sounds, moving objects, uh, etc. And it's been an area of highly uh, military interest, you know. A lot of governments and military organizations have actually shown interest in the region as well. And they have conducted uh, scientific studies in the area as well. The property actually has been purchased by entrepreneur Brandon Fugal, who actually allows scientific research and experts to study the phenomenon in the area, which is kind of cool. You know, you buy a property, you allow other people to come and investigate it. Uh, let me see here. So Brandon Fugal, he is... Um, he is a... Let me see what he does. He has uh, his own... Well, he's, a, he's a, a known personality. I don't know what he does for a living. Okay, so he does commercial real estate. He owns Skinwalker Ranch. He's the chairman of some company. So, yeah. I heard that uh, if you guys are familiar with, like, the whole UFO lore, um, there's the... Um, if you know who Lou Elizondo is... <clears throat> Lou Elizondo is a gentleman who said that he was in charge of a U.S. program called ATIP, which was in charge of investigating a UFO phenomena. So if you go, if you follow follow his, his story down the rabbit hole, um, it turns out that there was uh, some kind of corporation that he worked for that actually was in charge of investigating, um, investigating Skinwalker Ranch. Which, you know, if you're a UFO investigator, uh, why not investigate at a hotbed for UFO activity? Right? That would be the best place for somebody to look for something uh, abnormal, paranormal. Let's see here. So, um, yeah, the, these Skinwalker entities, Skinwalker Ranch paranormal things are very uh, very scary and um, let's see so according to folklore Native American folklore uh, skinwalker is basically a mythical creature uh, particular this folklore uh, it's basically particularly among the Navajo people and some other tribes in the southwestern United States uh, they particularly believe that skinwalkers are uh, witches or individuals with supernatural abilities who have the ability to transform into animals, uh, typically for malevolent purposes. So the, ter the term itself, skinwalker, comes from the idea that these individuals can walk or take the skin or form of an animal. Cool. So skinwalker. Some of the characteristics uh, shared and beliefs associated with the phenomenon are uh, shape shifting which is the ability to transform into various types of animals such as coyotes wolves owls uh, and other creatures and this transformation allows them to move about unnoticed or to carry out nefarious deeds under the cover of darkness um, 
also some of the characteristics of the ship sh uh, ship shifters shape excuse me shape shifters skinwalkers are malevolent intentions uh, they're often considered mischievous and they use their powers for harm including uh, causing illnesses death and other misfortunes in their communities they are thought to be motivated by jealousy anger or a desire for power um, taboo and secrecy often surrounds the practice of becoming a skinwalker which is generally considered taboo within a native american culture which i would assume so and the knowledge and rituals associated with this are, are typically kept uh, very secretive it is believed that individuals who engage in this practice are corrupted and can bring harm to their own communities which you know to go to point two part of the malevolent intentions uh, protection and countermeasures so the native american communities have traditional beliefs and practices for protecting themselves from skinwalkers the these may include amulets amulets prayers and other rituals meant to ward off these malevolent, uh, malevolent beings and uh, regional variations the concept of skinwalkers vary amongst different tribes and regions while the term skinwalker is commonly associated with the navajo similar beliefs and shape-shifting witches exist in other indigenous cultures as well let's see here so yeah that's very very interesting things one two three hello how you doing one two three Benis this is doc from strange days life thank you for joining I appreciate you and I'm saying hello to you my friend Johnny Mojave says uh, Stardust Ranch has a bit crazy stories well, how much crazier than Skinwalker Ranch can you get a homeless man who kept them away and the owner claiming I've killed many Wow, it's pretty crazy I actually um, read a story about a, a gentleman who had purchased the the ranch the house within the property of Skinwalker uh, Skinwalker Ranch there's a house there's a home and one of the previous owners in an interview said that he actually tried to shoot one of these wolves creatures and uh, he was unable to take it down um, how do I donate uh, I'm not taking any donations right now because I don't know how to do how to take donations to be honest with you foreskin <laughs> that's funny one two three I don't know how to take donations yet I'm just I just started this channel uh, I'm kind of I'm not new to I'm not new to YouTube but um, we'll leave that for another time for right now I appreciate you one two three uh, Johnny Mojave very taboo to even talk about uh, about it don't speak uh, skinwalker and the outside of your superstition and welcome from Canada Navy how are you so um, yeah I'm uh, you know I'm a, I've, I've told I'm a Christian guy um, I, who just has a, a, an affection and a, a likeness for uh, paranormal stuff so I don't believe in all that um, uh, speaking and superstitious but I appreciate you Johnny Mojave for for that um, Navy you're from Canada call me Navy uh, the number is 951-977-6499 excuse me 
951-977-1159. So a minute to midnight, 1159. 977-1159. Give me a call, Navy, because I know that Canadians have some good stories um, about the paranormal. And I love to hear, one, a story from a Canadian brother, and two, um, your accent. I have an accent. You have an accent, I'm sure. Depends what province. But uh, yeah, give me a call. Uh, the top, you know, this show always kind of picks up its own topics. And today's was, uh, so far, it's been the topic of Skinwalker Ranch or um, Skinwalkers. <clears throat> Very interesting. There's a lot of good documentaries out there. Let's see here. Let's see if I, if, what did I, I think I watched one. I want to see him, I want to say in Prime, Prime Video. Um has a good documentary and that's where you I heard yeah that yeah, it's a reality four season yeah it's a, it's a four season uh well it's four seasons that's a, the secret of skinwalker ranch no I don't think I watched four seasons worth of this but I did watch a, a show could have been uh YouTube I don't know it's probably filled with it but yeah there's a lot of um or it could have been maybe a podcast. Regardless, uh, there's a lot of uh, people that have experienced it firsthand. And um, I believe that there could be something, you know, something to it. I'm going to give me one second. One second, guys. Gotta gotta go and quiet down the teenagers. I got a couple of teenagers at home with friends, and uh, if any of you guys are parents, you know how loud they can get. So it all comes with the territory, and I, Daddy had to go tell them to be quiet, and they are. It worked. Um, I pray to Jesus every night. The universe is vast. Heck yeah, that's right, Johnny Mojave. Is very vast indeed. So, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it within the realm of uh, Skywalker Ranch um, until we get some calls. Here we go. Got another call tonight. Let's see here. Navy. To accept, press one. To send a voicemail, press. Navy. Hey, good evening, good evening, my friend. Hey, how are you? How are you? This is Doc from Strange Days Live. Thanks for calling, man. I appreciate you. Oh, hey, it's great to hear you. Thank you. To be able to call in and, and do something like this live. Thank you. Where are you in Canada, my friend? Uh, right now, we live in southern Saskatchewan. However, I was uh, in the military before. I was in the Navy. I've been to both coasts. I actually started out in the Army, so... I've been from one side of this country to the other. I've circumnavigated the globe five times in five years, so I've been quite a few places over the years. So tell me, what's been your favorite uh, place that you've identified with since you've, you've, you've kind of you've been all over the place? My favorite place. Well, 
I'll be honest with you. Uh, you start traveling the, the globe and you'll find that people are pretty much the same wherever you go. They're, they're pretty friendly as a rule. Um, there's some absolutely beautiful, beautiful parts of this planet. Unfortunately, a lot of them are in kind of third world places where there's, there's no, there isn't really, I wouldn't say amenities, but I mean, you know, we live in North America. We're just so spoiled. We really are. Um, uh, you know, we're accustomed to things like indoor plumbing and electricity. <laughs> You're right. That's just not the case in so many places, you know. And the only reason we have access to all it is because this is where we were born. It's true. We didn't earn any of it. No, you know? no, we it was earned long before we got here. We're just reaping the benefits. That's right. But we can sure complain about it, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I laugh about we're it because good at that, aren't we? Hey, we we definitely are. Uh, my, my, there's a saying in Spanish that uh, if I translate it, it says you're going to heaven crying. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, uh, well, tell me about some unusual things that you've witnessed or any paranormal. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, if you've experienced anything like that ever in your life. Well, I have only experienced one odd thing, and it was off the coast of um, Vancouver Island. Okay. And we were sailing, and I happened to be the starboard lookout at the time. Okay. And it was just a normal, we were just, it was just a normal day. We were just sailing. We weren't even doing anything. And I looked over to the shoreline, and I could see something way, way off in the distance, kind of near the shore. So I went over, and we've got these binoculars, for lack of a better word, they're They're known as big eyes. That's the name that we've given them. And it's basically a set of binoculars, but it's a normal set of binoculars are, let's say, six to nine inches long. A nine-inch set of binoculars are pretty honking big, right? Okay. These things are like 24 inches long. Oh. They're basically two telescopes on a pedestal with two handles so you can turn it side to side and then angle it up and down. What's a reach? What, what's a, on a good day? How far can you see with one of those? Miles, miles and miles. You can see a ship's mast 12 miles away. Really? Uh, when, you're out at, when you're actually out at sea, you can only see for 12 miles. And then the earth curves. Right. You can't see anything on the other side of that. When you're getting in towards the shoreline, you can see the clouds packing up against the shoreline first way on the horizon when you're you know, 60 miles out. Uh, it doesn't until you get probably 25, 30 miles, you start seeing the tops of the mountains that'll wow. be along the shoreline. Um, but when you're out at sea, you can't really see that far. You can only see about 12 miles, and then you just can't see anything there, especially if it's small. Anything sure. on the wall, on the surface, you'll never see it. If it's 13 miles away, it's out of sight. Yeah. But so, with the big eyes, you can see to the horizon. That's awesome. So tell me, so 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 you you were in, you were in Vancouver Island, uh, and then uh, what happened? I looked over on the shore and I could see something there. It was it looked like it was sparkling, and nothing in nature really emits light. Um, there are things that will reflect light, but not a whole lot of it. But this was like a ball. So when I went to the big eyes and I looked through the big eyes, it was this, this kind of a 
I guess, sort of an oval orb, if you will. And it was just a whole bunch of colors that were sort of mixing and undulating together. Wow. And I, I had already, I just called out, Officer of the Watch, starboard lookout. But then the Officer of the Watch will say, starboard lookout, and then you make your report, you know, of bearing so-and-so distance far or whatever your report is. And I just stood there. I didn't know what to say. And I just went, uh, I think you should come out and look at this, sir. And everyone on the bridge starts laughing because that's not how you make a report. <laughs> right, right. So the officer of the watch, go, officer of the watch comes out and he looks through the, the glasses and he kind of looks again. He goes, oh, it's, it's a gas formation yes. on the shoreline. I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes off and I'm, look, I'm watching this thing. And as we're getting closer, it's just it's getting, it's the same size. It's not going away. It's not gas. It's got an edge to it. Uh, and we had, we actually, right then we had turned. We were going to Whiskey to 601, and we turned off and veered off away from the coast. But I sat and watched this thing for probably, you know, 15 minutes until it was out of view. And it was just this orby thing. So it was a single uh, know, orb? That or... reminds me of something. I grew up in, in York and Saskatchewan. When I was younger, uh, we used to get some, some pretty active northern lights in, in the town. And one night, there was what everyone said was northern lights, which it was just so odd. It was the colors that you get from northern lights, but mm -hmm. a lot more colors. There was like purples and every, every color you could think of, but it was this enormous egg shape and it was up like over the whole town. But when I, I came outside and everybody was outside walking around on the street staring at this thing. And, you know, my parents said it was modern lights. Yeah, you I, know, I it, it, know. It depends on the, uh, I think that the top, the top half uh, the top half of Vancouver Island, uh, I believe, is able actually to experience uh, some northern lights. I know but if, this was down on the water surface during the middle of day. This oh yeah, wasn't at night. yeah, yeah, forget I it. I saw it on the island. That was that was broad daylight. Yeah, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, they, they've been they, they've had um, uh, Vancouver Island has had a, a quite a lot of history of, of, of lore. They've had a lot of mysterious disappearances. Um, as with, you know, all over the world, there's been a lot of UFO uh, sightings, scripted sightings because, you know, the, the, the landscape. Yeah, there's a number of uh, Sasquatch stories right. from the, uh, the native communities on the island, right? Right. This, I mean, that that runs right across. I'm a quarter Cree. My my band is from northern Manitoba, and they have stories of big hairy men running through the bush and don't whistle at night and all these things that my grandmother used to get so wound up about. Sure, there's a there's a lot of validity to some of the old stories, though. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. But we don't live out in the bush anymore. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> I good. I live in a community. <laughs> I don't mind whistling at night, Grandma. Nothing's coming to get me. I'm out <laughs> in the bush. <laughs> right. Especially, you know, that, that could have been your, giving away your geolocation when you start whistling. People can just kind of zone in and know exactly where you're at. Exactly. I think it was more of a, uh, a defense thing when they were still fighting around so, each other. Besides you witnessing the lights, uh, how many of your shipmates were able to see the lights as well? 
there was another two fellas up that were up on the on the lookout edge with me. There was a signalman that was up there, and okay. he was looking at it, and he just put his hands up. He had no idea what was going on. And there was a friend of mine, a bosun, that happened to come through just then. I grabbed him, and I said, look at this. So, and he's looking at it. He had been on a sea for a number of years. He's an old bosun. Wow. And he didn't have a clue what it was. He says, did you ask, did you record it? And I said, yep. I said, what did he say it was? I said, a ball of gas. Yeah. Bill looks through the big eyes. He says, that's some ball of gas. <laughs> I know that they have they have all these like technical terms for I don't know what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks, Navy. I appreciate it, man. You got anything else or... Uh... Uh, that's it. I just wanted to call in and touch base and say hello. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening, my friend. Take care of yourself. Bye for now. Bye-bye. So that was Navy calling from Canada, province of, uh, okay, here, I'm going to, Sas, Sas, uh, Sas, yes, Quechuan, Sas, I'm Hispanic. I got issues with pronunciation, but yeah, lovely to hear from him. Um, that's a cool story, especially from somebody who's been in, uh, you know, if, when you're patrolling and you're doing uh, a job for your government, uh, there's a lot more credibility that comes from that, uh, as opposed to, I'm not saying the credibility loses one, but, you know, this is something official that you got to document. Like he said, he had to contact the supervisors and he had to uh, make a call out. So, yeah, weird things, orbs and uh, lights, these things have been documented for, for, for decades um, uh, so it must have been really special to, to actually see one in, in person, especially in the broad daylight, you know, unless you're having an active volcanic eruption or uh, somebody is celebrating uh, the 4th of July in Vancouver Island. I don't know what, um, what could cause lights to be seen from that distance. Very cool. So, yeah. Um, like I was saying, Vancouver Island has actually a lot of lore, and uh, I was looking up some of this stuff, and they said that, uh, no, I don't know how this fits into, but they say that D.B. Cooper, who happened to be the, the hijacker, that um, in 1971 parachuted off the back of the airplane uh, that he was able to hijack, that he actually could have uh, used Vancouver Island as a escape route. Now, I don't, uh, you know, from all the shows I've seen on D.B. Cooper, okay, uh, the route that they actually took after they left Seattle, uh, it doesn't take them anywhere near Vancouver Island. Now, it does go through possibly Vancouver, Oregon, but that's not an island, right? Um, and I know that um, if you look at the flight path analysis for the D.B. Cooper uh, case, there's a couple of variations. So, yeah, all of them are through Portland, Oregon. Nothing really up, so somebody must have screwed that up. But anyways, I, I've always liked the story of D.B. Cooper. And... Um, you know, it's it's the one uh, it's a one bad guy uh, that you root for for some reason, just because of gutsy, uh, very gutsy on what he did. You know, able to hold up a, pray, a plane, and not only that, but just 
jettison out of the aircraft. Okay, so yeah, I see here, I'm looking at a, at a um, flight path that could have possibly taken them to Vancouver, but that, that's not Vancouver Island, it's Vancouver, Oregon. So the article that I was looking at uh, made a boo-boo. Yeah, if you guys are not familiar with D.B. Cooper, make yourself familiar with it because it's a very interesting um, story. Very cool story. Let's see here what I have to read in the chat. So, um, two calls. That's been, uh, it's been a good day. I'm happy. If you guys want to go ahead and uh, call, we have some open lines at 951-977-1159. Go ahead and call us. Get you on the air with uh, stories or things that have happened to you that you want to want to share with us. Let's see here. So I'm going to go a little bit off of uh, I'm going to do a little summary of D.B. Cooper for, for the listeners. <clears throat> So actually, uh, D.B. Cooper is a pseudonym uh, used by a, a, an identified individual uh, who in 1971 was able to hijack a commercial airplane and subsequently parachuted away with a, a ransom of money. And he, excuse me, he disappeared without a trace. This happened uh, back in November 24th, 1971, about a week away from Thanksgiving of 1971. Uh, the men actually used the alias Dan Cooper. Uh, but during a news report, uh, it was mistakenly reported as D.B. Cooper, and D.B. Cooper actually stuck. D as in David, B as in Boy Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R. Uh, that sort of stuck within the within the news outlets, and and it remained up until they, this day, the, the way that we identified the case. But he actually used the alias Dan Cooper. Now, uh, Dan Cooper boarded a Northwest Orient airline, Flight 305, which is uh, was a Boeing 727 in Portland, Oregon, uh, and he flew to Seattle, Washington. Uh, promptly during the flight, he, he handed a note to one of the flight attendants indicating that uh, he had a bomb and that he was hijacking the plane. Um, Cooper showed a briefcase with wires and red sticks to the flight crew, claiming that it was a bomb. His demands were $200,000 in cash, four parachutes, a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the plane for Gateway. After receiving the ransom and parachutes, by the way, very smart to ask for more than one parachute because you don't know if they're going to give you one that works. Uh, Cooper instructed the remaining crew to fly the plane to Mexico City. While he stayed at a low, while staying at a low altitude, and over a remote wooded area of uh, southwestern Washington, he parachuted out of the plane's rear stairwell into the night, carrying the money with him. If you look into the Boeing 727, you boarded this plane through the back. Uh, it had a, a mechanism in which uh, a stair a staircase would uh, would drop from the back of the plane. And a very savvy guy, he was able to use it to exit the plane. Let me see here one second. 
Here we go. I'm going to see if we can find I'll show a little picture. Yeah, so this is sort of what um, the staircase that people used to board. That's right there. So this guy, um, he parachuted, he had the stair, you know, he, he told the pilots, he goes, listen, I want you guys to fly at a low altitude and I want you to fly at a low rate of speed. And during the middle of the flight, he went to the back and uh, there was no security measure. So uh, the stairwell was able to be opened up during flight. He climbed down and jumped out. Despite a very extensive search, um, an investigation by the FBI, D.B. Cooper's whereabouts and identity remain a mystery up until today. Some of the ransom money uh, was found in 1980, uh, which seemed to be buried along the Columbia River, but Cooper has never been uh, located. Uh, the D.B. Cooper case remains one of the most famous unsolved mysteries in American criminal history. And over the years, numerous theories and speculations have arisen about Cooper's fate, including the possibility that he perished during the jump, that he survived and disappeared, or that it may, may have had uh, extra assistance. So in regards to the, um, the, the money, uh, obviously, was able to be, uh, they, they were able to jot down all the um, serial numbers for the, the money that was handed over to D.B. Cooper, which was $200,000. And um, the lore says that they were never able to, 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 to backtrack the money, so he never really spent it. Now, I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if so many people have the time to actually be looking to be on the banks are on the lookout for, for bills. They're, you know, they do a lot of transactions daily and I'm not sure if they're able to be attentive to see if some of those, you know, some of that money made it into 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 commerce. Um, I mean, I want to just take a. I wonder how much money it is uh, compared to now, so due to inflation, so. Two hundred thousand dollars in nineteen seventy one is comparable to one one million. It's about a million dollars today. Yeah, just sh sh I mean, uh, yeah, just a million dollars. So he made up with a million dollars. So things to consider by Mr. Cooper would have been one the weight of the money because I'm sure he asked for cash. I don't think he asked for a check, which would add a weight to his uh, free fall and the parachute that he selected. According to what I've read, he selected a parachute that was very familiar to people that have been uh, in the service, uh, military. So he chose a parachute that was uh, used extensively in the military. Could he have been a military man himself? Perhaps, that's one of the theories. But very gutsy guy to do what he did. How about uh, yeah? So that, that's a, if you ever if you guys have the time, uh, read a little bit of watch a show on it. It's there's a lot more stuff there, but it's um, there's been a lot of people that have been um, pointed as a possible suspect. 
And there was one show that I watched that they pinpointed a guy who was actually living in San Diego and had uh, a boating business. And they confronted the guy and everything. And, you know, all, all the theories and everything pinpointed it to him. But um, at the end, uh, he ended up passing away uh, without a serious accusation made. But that's he's been one of the suspects that's been uh, mostly linked with the case in itself. With the case itself. Oh, this is cool. Let's see here. There's actually a website where you can. Um, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole with the DB Cooper case for 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 years. But there's a. Uh, there's pictures online. Uh, there was a, there was a piece of a twenty dollar bill that was actually placed in auction, and it's part of the money that was found in the in the river in 1971. They also have the original ticket that was used by Mr. Cooper. Uh, when he, they have they have a lot of stuff. They they have a tie as well. He was wearing a, a tie that he left behind, and. Um, they were able to do some sort of DNA testing on it, but you know, it's this is the 70s. This is before uh, DNA technology, so God knows how many people touched that tie. But they were able to to get some sort of genetic material from it. So it's 7.51, this is the point in time in which I, uh, this is the time where I either um, ask uh, callers to make some calls or we we sort of uh, call it a day at 8 o'clock. So it's the number is 60, excuse me, I keep saying uh, 951-977-1159. Yeah, thank you, Navy. Yeah, I know. I kind of like uh, the room setting. Uh, i got my little guitar here in the background and my TV, but I definitely do... You know, the the software that I'm using, it's called OBS Studio, and it has the capability to do a picture-in-picture. Picture. Uh, so I can kind of do stuff online, and I just have to get familiar with it. And I'm super busy, but uh, no excuse. I Eventually, that's what I want to aim for, is how to get better using this so I can do online searches. But thank you so much for the recommendations, Navy. Um, Goth Bosch Incarnate. Good luck with your show. Thank you, Goth. It means a lot, man. I'm just, you know, this is week number two, the beginning of week number two, and I've gotten a couple of calls. I've gotten some good um, listen backs on the channel, and uh, and thank you. wall boxes thank you sound quality yeah i was gonna ask you how's the sound sound quality when i when i listen back um i don't have any issues but if you guys have issues with the sound please report it i have the the getty uh 
the blue, uh, the Yeti blue mic. Sometimes I shift position so that the sound can come in and out. But yeah, I would appreciate it if you. Uh, I mean, I, I have, the, I can reasonably get another mic if it sounds, uh, if this sounds bad. But I've gotten so far. I kind of always ask during every show how it sounds. Yeah, I know, I know, Goth. It takes time. Uh, and before I start investing, I want to make sure that I have a good, um, that I have a good following. Because, you know, if I'm going to invest and only have three callers, uh, excuse me, three listeners, which I don't mind, um, <laughs> I'll consider investing in, in something else. It does sound a bit tiny. Uh, yeah, the walls are bare. Absolutely. I mean, I got a curtain, but yeah, it's an, it's an 80s house. So I do have quite a lot of... But you know what? There's some settings on the mic as well that I'm... I think... There's patterns in which I can tinker with that may capture my sound better. I just switched the pattern on the on the mic itself. Maybe that gives you a little bit of a of a better listener. It's gotta, I gotta I gotta get myself a little bit more familiarized with the equipment. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Um, Maybe you can take a picture at Navy uh, and uh, take a picture and text them to the number you called. I would appreciate that. Just kind of give me an idea of, of why your uh, music, what why your what your musician room looks like and how you want to arrange the boxes. Text me a picture, and I appreciate that. I'll kind of try to emulate that. Okay, I, I see what you mean. So it's a bouncing effect. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm a musician myself, and I remember um, this. You, you never want to record in a, you know, walls. You, you have sound everywhere. We used to, um, you know, the drummer room. We usually get the the chicken, uh, the egg cartons, but th those don't really do a thing. They look cool, but they may not do a thing. So. It's almost close to say, I'm going to show you this. Uh, I don't know what instrument you play, but I'm a guitarist and I picked this thing up for like 250 bucks and it sounds great. Uh, I'm usually a, a Fender guy. I like Fender equipment, but this is a, a, a brand called Harley Denton. Harley Benton. And you can get them. Uh, just go to Harley Benton. You can get them beautifully crafted uh, for 250 bucks man you can't go wrong this looks like high-end Mexican fender quality uh, they really nailed it the quality is amazing the sounds amazing and for that much money it's it's a cool guitar and my wife loves it because it's pink so the only thing I have reservations about are the pickups uh, excuse me the the tuning pegs they seem to be more of like the old, um, you know, like your old uh, tuning pegs. But you can always change those. Okay. But yeah, it's a cool guitar. And I have, I have more if you look back there. Uh, let me see there. I have, all my, I have a few guitars here. I have a guitar that my, um, my brother is a luthier. He works for... Uh, Sir Guitars, S-U-H-R. He works at the factory. Uh, 
and uh, <clears throat> and for my birthday, he actually handmade uh, this guitar for me. Very rustic. It's all wood. Even the this piece here is all wood. He, so he did a fantastic job. This is my my brother. He made this for me for my birthday last year. Hardtail, uh, and it turned out pretty beautiful. So, so yeah. That's why I kind of like my background to have all my music stuff. But anyways, um, seven fifty. Yeah, I am a lucky man. Thank <laughs> thank you. Um, you sent me a shot of the studio. I appreciate it. Trying to emulate that right now with the trying to see. Oh wow, man, that looks awesome. Let's see. You have uh, you have an SG bass. You have an SG guitar. Looks like you got a Jackson acoustic. Then you have some kind of Les Paul. And then you have, I think it's a, you have like a, probably a jazz bass, Fender jazz bass, and you got a picture of, you got a picture of Lennon. Very cool. You got your 24 channels, you got a drum kit. And uh, yeah, you're ready to rock, man. Had you, had you not lived so far, I would have, uh, I would have made it down there so we can jam. I like that SG bass. I was thinking about getting an SG. Um, I like them. They're very. Uh, I like the way the neck feels, and I like the fact that they're a light guitar. And I'm also a huge Robbie Krieger fan from The Doors. I, I seem to always mention The Doors, but yeah, um, that's the the Doors sound right there. Gibson SG. You got some. Uh, you got a conga and what is this? A Honda guitar. Never heard of those. Twelve string. Very cool. Appreciate that. So, looks like a, yeah, it looks like a very cool studio. I know, same here, man. Love to jam. That's what what one thing about musicians. You just you, you start talking music, man. You become best friends. Um, well, thank you guys for for listening uh, today to the show. I appreciate you guys and. Um, it's a sticker for a motorcycle. What is a sticker for? I didn't get the sticker for a motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I've heard of Hondo. I've heard of Hondo guitars, but that's a Honda sticker for a motorcycle. Got you. Yeah, I think there was Hondo guitars back in the day when I was little. You know, those were like the affordable brands. Hondo. So I thought this was like a... <laughs> This was a, a knockoff of Hondo, Honda, but uh, no. All right, guys. Well, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I'll be back here tomorrow and um, have a good night. And I'll sign off with my typical outro sound. And I'm going to get on the ball about trying to improve a little bit of the, the sound and the picture in picture because those things are obviously important. Here we go. <laughs>